Have you been living under a rock? If not, you know, we're <laughs> going on tour. We're going, we're hitting the, we're hitting the road. We're, I was about to say we're hitting the streets, which kind of, we're hitting the road. We're hitting the air. We are. The spooky cobblestone streets, the brick roads, and they're bringing us to a city near you. Truly. We're going to be in so many different cities. It's most likely near you, unless you're in the UK or somewhere outside of the US. We are going to Canada. We are going to one We're going to Canada. Canadian show in Toronto. <laughs> we get to dip our toes on the Canadian border. My family all better be coming because they live right outside of that area. Yeah, we're going on tour. It's two girls, one ghost at the Conjuring House. We have so much fun and spooky Shazam planned for these shows. It's going to be a really good time. And we're not going to give anything mm -hmm. away except, yeah, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a spooky time. And it's going to be probably some things that you don't expect to hear. So head over to twogirlsoneghost.com or find the link in the show notes here or on any of our social media to grab your tickets. Now. Uh, we also have exclusive merch. And meet and greets until they sell out. There are only a few uh, limited spots at certain shows. So if you would like to get your tickets, get them very soon. And we will see you there. See you there. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Until well, oh, what? we had started a while ago saying that we wanted to have collectible patches for all yes. of our shows. And so we have a collectible patch, but it's only going to be sold on site at the show. So if you go to the show, you could get it. check out the merch table because it will be there. The other two merch items will be available both at the show and online on our website, but just the patch in person. Yes. Until then. We're going to continue with our show as regularly programmed. We have ghost stories from all of you to share with you uh, today. Today. A couple episodes ago, I did Hotel Colorado, The Hauntings of Hotel Colorado. And I was like, oh, I think it'd be really fun to do a hotel-themed encounters, which is where we are today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you like to start? I would. Bring your enthusiasm straight into the ghost stories. I would love to start. Thank you. Lovely. Great. Um, We're ready for you whenever. <laughs> Sometimes I listen back to our podcast and I'm like, who is that about myself? Are oh. you okay? Yeah, I killed in that. Sorry. Murderer. <laughs> I don't kill fruit flies, but I sure as heck kill these little fungus gnats that are trying to eat my precious, luscious plants. Yes, that is. Um, Get out of here. Know. I'll strangle you with cinnamon from <laughs> my cold hard, murderous hands. I cut my nails specifically so I could kill them more. Crin, this is all on camera. You have been caught red-handed. I'd confess in court to this. This is I'd court? Say, hell yeah, I did it. And I'd do it again. I'll do it for the rest of my life. Lock me up or I'm going to kill all the gnats in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with one that combines a couple of things. A hotel and Scotland. And a Ouija board. Ooh. This is from our listener, Alana, and it is called Sketchy Ouija Board Experience in Scotland. Hi, ladies. Longtime listener, first-time writer. I wanted to share my experience witnessing my friends use a Ouija board in our spooky hotel in Scotland. 
In 2014, after we graduated high school, I went on a trip to Europe with fellow students, graduates, all of it hosted by our school. We started our trip in Scotland, arriving at a creepy bed and breakfast around midnight due to the time change. That night, we didn't want to go to sleep because A, we were not tired since we slept on the flight, and B, we were too excited to be abroad that we didn't want to spend our first moments there in the hotel room. Of Of course. course. Since it was late and we had a curfew, we all decided to explore the grounds of the hotel and hang out in the lobby. I want to know the name of this B&B. The man in charge of the hotel informed us that a closet near the lobby had board games. So one student went to grab some and of course found a Ouija board. A Ouija board. Now, I've always been skeptical of them and refused to use one. So I stepped back when everyone was adamant about using it. A few of the students all agreed we would take it very seriously and decided to play. Me and a few others stood about 10 feet back watching. They began talking to a spirit, and when asking if it were a woman, the board led them to no. So they asked if it were a man, and it went to yes. They asked how the man died, and it led them to F, then I, then R. And one of the girls said, fire. Then their fingers were dragged to the yes part of the board. This, I have so many complicated emotions right now because you're technically not supposed to ask if someone died when you're playing a Ouija board because it can be insulting to the spirits. Or just triggering. Yeah, yeah. This just like worked immediately. And okay, sorry, go on. No, it reminds me of our seance that we did. Yeah, yeah. I, at this point, was getting annoyed, figuring that one of them was dragging everyone's fingers and playing a joke. Then the girl asked when the spirit died and it led them to make out one zero zero. We didn't know what that meant, so they moved on and kept asking pretty useless questions. Finally, after asking if the spirit meant to hurt us and it replying no, one of the girls closed the session properly. We were spooked but didn't think too much of it because, again, someone easily could have been doing all of that on purpose. I mean, we were high school kids. We finally went to sleep around 4 a.m. only to be up by 7 and dragged into the dining room for breakfast. While in the dining room, a picture of the hotel being built was framed on the wall behind our table. It was a picture of the hotel still under construction with half of it looking like it was in ruins. Below on the frame was the name of the hotel with the year 1914 written. The man who was in charge of the bed and breakfast explained to us minutes later that the photo was taken days after there was a fire that ruined half of the building. He said it was massive and a few of the builders even died. Luckily, the entire building didn't catch fire, so they only had to rebuild half. Horrified, all of us who were downstairs in the lobby hours before looked at one another thinking of the Ouija board. The spirit said he died in a fire. And when they asked when, he said 100. Well, what's 100 have to do with this? The photo said 1914, which was 100 years before our visit to the hotel in 2014. Although I was very skeptical and honestly still am a little bit, it does seem to make sense that the spirit they talked to was a builder who died on the grounds in the hotel fire. After that, we all promised not to mess around in any of the closets in the hotel that we were staying at during our trip. Our remaining days in Scotland were fine and none of us had any other experiences, but I'll always remember that one. To this day, I haven't been around another Ouija board and don't plan on it. Hope you enjoyed my story. 
I love the podcast and listen to it basically every day. Thank you and take care, ladies. Best, Elena. I feel like that is an amazing Ouija board experience because they got quick and confident answers from the spirit. And then they later got confirmation that something did happen there where a lot of people lost their lives, that there is reason for many spirits to be lingering. And the fact that the dates matched up with a response that the, I mean, it wasn't like they could deduce that it meant a hundred years ago. Okay. So that's the part that makes me believe it because they had gotten there so late. So they really didn't have a ton of time. They didn't see that photo. They didn't have the information from the owner or the man working at the B&B. So for all of those things to be coincidences, it just, it doesn't seem plausible. It seems more plausible that it is a ghost. It's a ghost. And it was a nice Absolutely, ghost. Absolutely. I believe it. Which is good. We need the name of this Airbnb or Airbnb, this bed and breakfast, because I would stay here. Alana, we will ask and we will visit. Let's go. We're already hitting the road, so let's just keep going. Let's get, we'll just we'll hop on a boat and head on that. I'll bring a dinghy. We'll see how far we get. Okay. This is called My Boyfriend's Encounter at the St. Nicholas Hotel. Hello, lovely ladies. I'm still working on catching up as I only found your podcast recently, but it's absolutely the best way to pass the time. I love learning about the spooky weird places and phenomena you cover, and you have me snort laughing all the time. So as my tax for my story, I've attached a picture of my four fur children, Kiowa, the big dog, Catch, the little dog, Aurora, the black cat, and Huckleberry, the gray and white cat. What amazing name. Aurora is my mother's name. I love name, this. So that I, I feel endeared towards the black cat already. Moments before this, wait, just as I wish, I wish we had a video of it. We have audio, but we don't have the video. Wait, let's insert okay. the audio <laughs> right okay. here. So Corinne and I were recording like a, a couple ads before this and there's a cat in our community and we're new here. And Leia was sitting in the window, just looking out at the world. It's peaceful. It's beautiful. There's a little like pond outside, lots of critters, creatures, trees, leaves blowing. And all of a sudden, and also just probably, whoa, and (laughs) it was like that. It was the loudest thing I've ever heard. Brittany, you were so shocked. You're like, what is that? <laughs> but the two cats, Leia and Maggie is her name. They were, Maggie was outside looking up at Leia. Leia was looking down through the window and they were yowling at each other and hissing. You guys will hear it. If you, well, you already did. It's incredible. Yeah. All right. Danielle writes, I've sent it a few personal stories before, but I've not had any experiences in many years. The last encounter I had was very friendly, a very chatty ghost who occupied my flat when I was studying abroad in Scotland in 2013. I live near Colorado Springs, Colorado. And last weekend, my boyfriend surprised me with a night in Cripple Creek, Colorado. Cripple Creek used to be a mining town and it's known for its casinos and almost everything in it is haunted. The hotel we stayed at was no exception. Cripple Creek. Do we go here, Sabrina? Cripple I'm, Creek. I'm down. I mean, maybe. Let's hear the rest of this experience and then. <laughs> okay. A brief history. The Hotel St. Nicholas was built in 1898 by the Catholic Sisters of Mercy, and it was originally a hospital. Cripple Creek experienced a huge boom in population in the late 1800s during the gold rush, increasing the population from less than 500 
1890 to over 55,000 in 1900. Oh, in 10 years. Wow. Okay. It's a big boom. That is, oh, that's wild. The St. Nicholas was the first hospital built in Cripple Creek, and it remained a medical facility until 1972 when it finally closed. It stood mostly vacant until 1995 when it was renovated and turned into a bed-and-breakfast-style hotel. Many of the furnishings and building features are original. You can only imagine my excitement when I learned that we would be staying here, and I quickly began collecting ghost stories from the staff and from the owners, who all have had many that they were willing to share. Snaps for this place. Yes, St. Nicholas. they're actually admitting Ooh. it and sharing it. St. Nicholas! Yes. I was probably too eager to have an encounter, and I did not, but my boyfriend did, and I sort of witnessed his encounter. He's not new to the paranormal. He and all of his siblings and mom have seen the hat man many times, among other things. So, in the middle of the night, I did not check the time, he woke up suddenly and started hitting at the blanket like he was trying to get something off of oh the bed. Oh my gosh. He said it felt like a rat or some hey. other small animal that had been running across his legs on top of the blanket, but nothing was there. After double-checking the room to make sure, we got back into bed. I was about to fall asleep when he started mumbling. It sounded like he was having a dream and was talking in his sleep, but I couldn't make out any words. That went on for less than a minute. Then he suddenly sat straight up and was wide awake. He said he was completely awake and conscious that whole time, but he could not move or talk. He distinctly felt someone sit on the bed next to his leg, almost on him, and they picked up his hand. He then felt what he could only describe as a needle going into his index finger. Aliens? Like an intense pressure that was pointed. He said he was trying to get my attention by talking and nudging me, but all that would happen was mumbling. As soon as the presence got up off of the bed, he sat up and he was able to talk again. I was laying right next to him the entire time on the other side of the bed, and I didn't see or feel anything. Am I annoyed that my boyfriend had the experience and I didn't <laughs> when he didn't even know the hotel was haunted when he booked it? Absolutely. <laughs> Am I going to bother him about this until he takes me back? 100%. <laughs> I understand. Anyways, keep it spooky, ladies. See you on the other side. Danielle. Okay, I'm so confused by this because one, the the rat-like creature running across his body yeah. is so unsettling. And also the fact that she was right there next to him in bed and didn't feel that. But then the the being pricked in the finger, and then so correct me if I'm wrong, his hand was not actually being held up. Like Danielle didn't see his hand being held up, right? No, no. He just felt his hand being and and it almost makes me think that there was some sort of like astral attack, like his astral body was being held and a finger and there was like some sort of point of connection where he was, right. he was like stunned for a moment because it was like someone was inserting something into well, his finger. Well, this is why, I don't know, like the, maybe just like that, that specific detail of being poked in the finger reminds me and is reminiscent of like abductions, but it does make me wonder if, and we've heard stories that there's like some astral kind of experience with alien abductions. Like what if it's your astral body that's being taken and not your physical body? So, right. I don't know. You say with an alien pillow next to you. <laughs> Me and Bay. <laughs> you and Bay. There you go. First apartment together. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love I you. knew aliens would be good cuddlers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, this is interesting. I don't really – and it's strange because Danielle has had experiences – I was going to say it's strange because Danielle's had experiences 
too, but then felt and saw absolutely nothing. So it's not like Daniel's closed off, but it is interesting. It's specifically this place, maybe her boyfriend, or it's just one of those examples where someone is singled out and they're the only ones to experience something and it's absolutely terrifying for them. Or it's another example of when you're too thirsty and they're like, nah. No, Danielle wants us so bad. So you know what we could do? The best possible thing we can do for her and her boyfriend's relationship, haunt him instead. Send him back. (laughs) Send him back. Okay, well, that's St. Nicholas Hotel in Cripple Creek, Colorado. So I just started a notes on my phone and it is called People I Shall Haunt When Deceased. And this list. Who's on it? Well, right now it's just one person, our friend Matt who is married to our friend Lauren, so you have context, because he does not believe, believe. and every time I bring something up, he kind of mocks my belief, and so he is number one. I sent him a picture. I said, you are number one on my list, and this list, once I am deceased, will be read out loud at my celebration of life. Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. Can we we have it printed on one of those giant scrolls that you unroll like this? Will you read it? Will you be the, the orator? Sure. Assuming that I'm not dead already. Okay. Yeah. I will certainly read it. Here's an idea. I feel like you're on the cusp of being able to astral project whenever you want. How about you haunt him that way before so that we get to all see him believe his belief change. I did say that the only way to stop my haunting is that he hold a press conference and admit his belief in the paranormal. So yeah, the one thing though is the astral projection of it is hard because then that's technically not a ghost per se. Yeah, but that's... But he doesn't need to know that? No, but I mean, if you astral project, is that not maybe even stretching his beliefs more than just the belief of ghosts? Yeah, maybe. You're right. Maybe I'll... You know what? I feel like that's even more of a step up. Like not only does my body when I die, does my energy move on, but I can remove my energy right now now from my living body and come haunt you. Okay. I'm going to try. And then I'm also going to start building out my list. Okay. So don't get on my bad side. No. Sabrina, this is an important question I have for you. Do you remember like three years ago when you and I decided on a couple words to say to each other, should one of us die or astral project to each other to prove that we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Wasn't it like something like that? I'm proud that you remembered. It It technically was. Oh, uh, yes. okay. Wow, look at us. Wow. We both remembered. It's not just something that we actually just said and forgot. We were committed to that idea. I'm proud of us. How many years ago was that? We, we can't even remember what we said this morning. Probably three, three four wow. years ago. Corinne. We've... Hey, but we know. We'll know with yes. each other. yes. We remember the important things is basically what we're what we're learning here. Yes, we do. Okay. I have a story from our listener, Liv. And it is called The Story You Requested From Me Literally Six Months Ago. And this was sent back in January. Hello, ladies. Apparently, I have the time to listen to every TGOG episode as it comes out, but not enough time to write the email I promised to send during our TGOG <laughs> summer camp meet and greet. I'm sorry, but better late than never, right? <laughs> You're forgiven. This is from Olivia, she, her. Okay, here we go. It's October 30th, 2021. I like we're setting the scene. My family and I, mom, dad, and two older sisters are in New York City for Harry Styles' iconic first Harry Ween. We're talking about Dorothy Harry. Dorothy for the girls, gays, and theys who really get it. I could not be more jealous in my entire life. I wish I was there so bad. 
Same. Ugh, not even jealous because I would never trade Olivia to be there. I would never take away that beautiful experience from her. But I just, I'm... You wish. I just wish I was there. (laughs) I I wish. Anywho, it was around 4.30 p.m. in Midtown in our hotel across the street from Madison Square Garden. My sisters were already in line for the pit, so it was just myself and my parents in our hotel room. We were staying at the Stewart Hotel, a stunning interior and exterior architectural masterpiece built in 1929. Minus the feather boas of concert goers laden across the tile floor and modern furniture, it was like walking through a time capsule. The energy walking into the lobby was palpable, powerful with its age. Fragments of the space were akin to the gold room in the Shinings Overlook Hotel. There are photos below if you would like to look at the photos, Corinne. Oh, okay. I will also insert these into the YouTube video so people can see. Even the way the hotel was arranged and the age of the tile in the bathroom gave a strange feeling of emptiness. Not that the room didn't have its fair share of spirits, but that this energy had sucked something out of you. By the time that this encounter occurred, we had already slept one night at the Stewart Hotel. I tossed and turned often, feeling comfortable in my cot, but just not quite right. I would watch the window curtain sway in the dark. That next day, at that 4 o'clock p.m. hour I had mentioned earlier, I was standing in the galley kitchen, mindlessly spooling my eyebrows, thinking that the action would somehow fix the brows I was not blessed with. Suddenly, my heart sank to the depths below six feet under. Bang, 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 bang. The door to our hotel room rattled as though it was about to fly from its hinges. I immediately dropped my eyebrow pencil on the tile floor and abruptly turned into the corner into the small living room to look at my dad in fear. To my surprise, well, perhaps not that surprising, I found my dad watching football on full blast, completely unaware of the person banging on our door like it was life or death. I poked my dad on the shoulder, silently shushing him and motioning him to turn down the TV volume. He looked at me kind of like, what the hell is the matter with you? And then right then, the banging on the door resumed. Scary. It felt more urgent this time and even more threatening than the first time. My dad's eyes widened to my likeness as I creeped over to the door to look through the peephole. Standing just a few inches from my body with only a wooden door between us was a black figure. My mind was all over the place. Was this someone trying to rob us, kill us, traffic me and my mom? I convinced myself it had to be someone in a ski mask with all black clothing. My mom had appeared from the bedroom, awoken from her nap, trying to get a look for herself. She pushed me out of the way, put her hand to the doorknob, and I was like, no, hell no, (laughs) ma'am. I squatted at her hand and whispered with angry fear, take your hand off the fucking doorknob right now. She ignored me as she looked through the peephole, went to undo the latch at the top of the door. And when I... No, this is how people die in scary movies. We're screaming in the scary movie right now saying, no, 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 right alongside this person. When I tell you I pushed that woman out of the way, I mean it. Hip bumping her out of the way and relatching <laughs> the door as I peeked through the peephole to see if the person was still there. They were. No, it was. It was at this moment that I realized it was not a man in a ski mask and wearing black clothing, but a full body apparition as dark as night. Still whispering and forcefully shushing my parents, I ran back to the galley kitchen to retrieve my phone and shakily call the front desk for security. 
No matter what that thing was, I was not opening the door until I saw some hotel personnel. I spoke with the woman at the front desk and asked her to send security immediately as there was someone banging on our front door trying to get in. It felt like 30 minutes until security arrived when it was probably no more than 10 minutes, which still was too long if you ask me. Three men in suits knocked on the door. I was still extremely hesitant to open the door and waited for them to identify themselves. I was still apprehensive, but I opened up anyways. The security notified my parents and I that they checked to see if the building was secure, including stairwells, keycard access to the elevator, and camera footage. It was secure. My jaw fell to the floor. I repeatedly asked them if they checked the cameras with the correct time frame, and they assured me they did. There was no one in or out of the elevator from the stairwell or in the hallways at any time in the last 50 minutes. I wonder if the cameras also had sound. Mm, if they heard if they the had, door. If they were able to capture the sound. Yeah, it would be it'd be interesting if they w- were able to hear it back. It sounds like probably not or they would have said something, right? Right. My dad, being the congenial guy he is, thanked them and sent them on their way as I was internally pleading for them to stand guard by our hotel room door all night. It was daylight still and all I could do was sit on the couch and aggressively drink my giant white claw to cope. What took me months to realize is that this afternoon was not the end of it. Following the concert, around 10.30 or 11 p.m., my sisters met my dad and I at the hotel bar on the way back from the concert. They were on cloud nine. Wait, so Olivia didn't go to the concert? What the hell, Olivia? Why? I don't know. They were on cloud nine, raging about how incredible the concert was and how happy they were to be in the third row of the pit let alone how cute Harry looked dressed as Dorothy. It didn't take long at all for the energy of the night to take a sharp left turn. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason to it, even if we were all about too, too many old fashions deep. We retired to our hotel room when one of my sisters got angry over some silverware. We thought it best to shelve the alcohol for the evening. Once in our hotel room, it was like a division of hell latched itself to every family member. Unspeakable words were spoken to one another, lacking empathy and any distinction of love. Family members were arguing and screaming at each other, scratching deeply, poisoning the room with the strongest, most impossible grief. It took hours for everyone to settle, as each comment triggered somebody else into an emotional spiral that felt like death. Looking back, no one went to sleep calm that night. I can't help but think that as I sat there on the hotel living room couch, mostly quiet, as my family tore each other to shreds, that the entity had already got its fill from me earlier that day, that it couldn't emotionally manipulate me to the extent that it was everyone else, because it already had used its energy on me in particular to appear as an apparition. Part of me thinks that maybe the primal, deep-rooted fear that it extracted from me is what gave it the power to emotionally torment and manipulate my family for nearly four hours. What do you guys think? I've been wishing for years to see a ghost just once, because almost everyone else in my family had— and now know how dreadly silly and unsafe that was to do. But hey, now I'm part of the haunted club. Woohoo! Hope you enjoyed. Don't open your door. Light and love live. Liv, I think it was a spirit thinking that you were missing the Harry Styles concert and you were meant to be there and was frantically trying to wake you up and say, you are missing some amazing artistry but it was 4 p.m it was the middle of the day it wasn't even like yeah that's true but this actually really makes me think because you know we've talked a lot about how my dad has something dark attached to him 
some of my most like traumatic memories have occurred with surrounding my dad and my family around alcohol and some of like the like the biggest fights have occurred and almost like irrational like kind of crazy like what is happening mm. and you know every family mm-hmm. fights but like the, these are some that I'm like how did that happen and how did it escalate to this point and I do almost now after hearing the story from Liv I'm like did the darkness that's attached to him kind of like pour out into all of us during these moments yeah yeah, his guard was a little less up because of the alcohol. So something could creep through. I know it's so it's so freaky. I mean, the fact too that this was so intense that her family got involved and the security guards got involved and they still couldn't quite figure out what this thing was. And clearly, I feel like if this had happened to many people before in this hotel, if this was something that was like, oh, it's a haunted room or oh shit, like, yeah, that does happen. There's a, a spirit that gets angry sometimes. It doesn't, it seems like the security would would tell them that, would would know something. Yeah, but it depends. Wouldn't you? Some, some hotels would, apparently not Hotel Colorado, right? Like, it just depends on their, and also some people don't believe. So these security guards might just be like, oh, this is silly. I am curious though what Liv's parents thought, because clearly her, her dad was like congenial about it, but her mom looked through the peephole. Oh my God, I can't imagine the terror of that. I just feel like that's like a classic horror movie situation. It's it's like it a bit. And even like it follows and just so many different movies where it's like the children are seeing something and you're panicked that someone else is making, that the, the parent is classically making the wrong move. They're about to let the monster, the killer, the ghost inside of the house and only the kids can see, only the kids can sense it. And it it feels like that. It feels I can I can understand the terror that she must have felt. I also feel bad for Liv's sisters who like came off this high of going to Harry Styles and are like and it's and then come back and there's like this dark entity that like totally sours the whole night. Plus also by this point, it's probably Halloween. Adding to the fact that, you know, there's probably already some like shift in the air and the energy and Right. Spooky. You need the the power and blessings of Harry Styles to follow you back to the hotel. That is so freaky. That is so freaky. Oh. When we're in New York, we should stop by this hotel, take a photo in front of it. And then also we should go to the hotel, the Chelsea Hotel, because it is so cool. I think we need to run as fast as we can in the short amount of time that we have in New York from haunted hotel to haunted hotel. There's a lot of them in the city. To haunted restaurant. Oh, we should go haunted if inn, by land. To haunted thrift shop. Two by land, one by sea. One if by land, two if by sea. Wrong, but yes. One if by land, two if... One if by land, two yeah. if by sea. Yeah. Yeah, because we covered that a while yeah, ago. Did, yeah. One of America's most romantic restaurants is very haunted. haunted. Okay. I have one for us to end on. This is called The Haunted Lodge with a Mob Connection. Oh. This is two stories, one with me and one with one of my coworkers. And this is from James. I was newly married and a new dad. I stayed at home with our son and worked graves and weekends serving tables at the lodge. Some backstory. This lodge was built by a single mom named Kate in the 50s when being a single mom was frowned upon. Being in northern Minnesota on a massive lake, which was mainly family cabins, one of the cabins was owned by the one and only Al Capone. 
which was verified by a classmate of mine whose family owned the cabin right next to his. Oh my gosh. So Kate wanted to build a stable place for her to support her daughters. No bank would give her a loan. So she went to Capone. Stop. He made a deal with her that he would fund the construction and be the bankroll if, and only if, he could dump bodies into the bay where she was located at. He was that forthcoming? I can't believe that. Agreeing, the lodge was built. Shook. Okay. I don't know. Love it. I'm here for it. It ran for years with who knows how many bodies that were dumped in that bay. Fast forward to 2004. I'm working my grave shift, running the front desk and doing some cleaning, part of which was the locker rooms past the pool. And like most hotel pools, they have a giant window showing the pool. The actual story starts one night as I was going into the women's locker room, Kate's original living quarters. It had been remodeled since. Now, the lights were always on, no switches, only by the breaker box. As I walk into the women's locker room, the first light would always shut off every night. Eventually, I, to cure my boredom, I said as the lights went out, Hi, Kate. And the lights popped on. Stop. We got to the point where she would answer yes or no questions. I would say that we became friends. Remember, this was in Minnesota. Winters were inhumane. (laughs) Working in an empty lodge with the heat turned down at night, it was just always so cold. But the area by the pool was always humid and warm. It was nice. But one night, I was on my way to the women's locker room, and it was still cold. I was on my way into the locker room when an extreme hot spot went through me front to back. I stopped in my tracks. Then it went through me the other way. And I could see down the hall, which led to the men's locker room. In the reflection, I saw a black cloud turn and go down a flight of stairs. For some reason beyond me, I chased it. I fucking ran after that black cloud. I turned the corner at the top of the stairs and I looked down. There it was, floating by a closed door. It begins to change and I'm not afraid at this point. It forms into a human type shape. I could see a head, shoulders, arms with claws for hands and a waist, nothing else. It slowly turns towards me and I see two red eyes, arms raising. I can see the claws forming clearly. I stand my ground and the scream I heard from the stretching jaw was something I hear all the time but cannot describe. It shook the window showing the pool about 15 feet away. It turned away and then it went through the door. I turned and I went to the front desk and I waited for the sun to come up. I quit my grave shift the very next day. A few weeks later... (laughs) The weekend grave person came to me as I was serving tables there and asked if I ever saw anything. I told him the story above very quickly, and I asked why. And he told me, I will add that he didn't clean. He was just lazy. Mm. (laughs) He said, so I'm at the desk and the building is closed and all locked up. I'm the only one here and I'm playing solitaire on the computer like normal. I hear the sound of someone clearing their throat, and so I look up, and there's this kid, about 17 or 18, standing in front of me holding a cigarette, asking for a light. I stand up in shock and ask how he got in. Downstairs by the beach. Um, no, it's all locked up, I say. Um, no, I walk right on in, says the kid. Prove it. So the kid turns around and heads towards the stairs. 
By the time I walk around to the desk, he's already on top of the steps. That's probably a 40-foot walk in a second of time. I hurry down to catch him, but he's already at the bottom. Slow down, I say. And I see the kid smile and then walk (gasps) through the doors. I run down the steps and I push the door open only to see the doors going to the beach closing. I run to the doors. They're locked inside and out. I looked at the sand and I see footprints forming and the smell of a cigarette burning. Holy what? Again, that last part was in my coworker's words and I 100% believe it. See you on the other side, James. Mm-hmm. I Are they two <laughs> different spirits? Because they both have like kind of a malicious intent. Like the way that this spirit looked at James's coworker with a smile and then like immediately turned and walked through the doors. Like, look, I'm a ghost. Yeah. But that almost is playful. It's, it's like a follow me, follow me. But that one feels more playful. Whereas the first spirit that James spoke about seems terrifying. The claws. And it also, the way James explained it, it almost felt like the spirit went through him and then back through him to really get his attention and then make it, make James follow it. Yeah, so they both are like, follow me, follow me. But the ending is strange. Like, it'd be one thing if it was just like a cloudy person forming and then walking through the the walls. But the fact, and the fact that James still hears this all the time and is scarred by it, like the the jaw like detaching and like a, ah! like a wild scream. That's so different than something or someone appearing as this, teen who's yeah. just kind of being a little bit mischievous having yeah, a little well, bit I, of fun teasing people i don't know maybe it is the same creature though and it's like the good and bad versions it's like lucas from halloween town you know sometimes he was really sweet and sometimes he wasn't but given the context of al capone and the potential of bodies being buried there one it makes me sad to think that there is this teenager but then two if this is all true it it would in my mind, makes sense. There are many different types of spirits and not just one. True. Well, and there's Kate Mm -hmm. too, who's responding. Well, we assume it's Kate responding to the lights. Yeah. What if that thing that was shrieking is sort of like what we talk about when we talk about the creeper at Waverly Hills or the collector at the Charleston jail, the old Charleston jail, where it's this dark entity that's going there to feed on the souls and it's looking for the ghosts. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> you seem like you're surprised. That no, it's <laughs> it's more upsetting. And not not you bringing it up, but more just <laughs> how dare you? Get cleansed. <laughs> um Get cleansed. No, it's just more that it exists. Mm. Mm, I know. It is very sad. I would love to know a little bit more about Kate's arrangement with Al Capone. And I mean, what what sort of – because she was trying to make a better life for her kids. And so I understand the financial funding and so long as the agreement is the agreement with Al Capone. But it does make me wonder what sort of agreement that was when it comes to dumping bodies. Because what if her kids were scarred by watching bodies just floating up in their lake that they're trying to swim in? Well – Corinne, let's be real. Al Capone knows how to dispose of bodies and not let them come floating up. But that's true. I also really, I, I feel like the amount of times we've heard, I mean, Al Capone just has such an influence in, in history. And 
we've heard so many different ghost stories that I'm now inspired. I'm like, well, we should just do a whole episode on Capone. We should. Oh, no, we should. you should do it. You should do it. Well, yeah, it was your idea. So I won't fight okay. you on that. This is That is that's on a, the record. That's a great. You have gone on the record for multiple things today. You are a gnat murderer and I get it. I get Al Capone. And you get to talk about an actor. Yeah, yes. Well, I guess I did murder the gnat. Speaking of, uh, I forgot it was there and its body is now missing. And so I'm curious if I accidentally touched it and then touched my hair. It's somewhere. Huh. Gross. Take a shower. Get cleansed, literally. I will. We love you all. If you have ghost stories from hotels or anywhere, truly, if you have any stories, email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Get lost in the pyramid. Get lost in the triangle. Join the pyramid scheme. And join us on tour. We are coming to a city near you. Check out the link in our description or in our website and find the show that's closest to you and come join us. Yes. yes. Thank you to Christina who edits our podcast. And thank you to all of you for your continued support. We love you. We will see you on the other side. Very spooky.